0: Dad, you're, you're, you're poorly. Coming out of both mm. ends is how you described it to me.
1: I absolutely did not describe it to you as that.
0: <laughs> that's, that's how I imagined
1: it. Oh, well, I'm- I'm glad. I'm glad. That's the image you've got. I'm uh, I'm drinking tea tonight. I've got a bad uh, bad throat. So uh,
0: so this yeah. this is wank. I'm not sure we should do the show.
1: Well, it's kind of, it's not in spirit of things, is it? Having a cup of tea
0: with this. Well, the thing is, is that alcohol would numb the pain and suffering like it does with my depression.
1: <laughs> Keeping it light, as always. I'm, I'm
0: and not to, to make light of, of people suffering from depression or to suggest that Alcohol would be the cause, or yes. I mean, the, the the solution.
1: Very, very uh, relevant that you should say that because uh, tonight's uh, episode does feature heavily on uh, that family that made that quite famous. Alcohol, the cause and solution to all of life's problems.
0: Uh, well, I. I'm why are you drinking?
1: Beer. Okay, what are you having?
0: So, I'm supporting another Welsh brewery here. I've got a beer called Boss Brave from Boss Brewing. Now, Boss Brewing were in the news of late. Did you um, did you stumble across the story of what was going down with them? I did not. What's happened? So H- Hugo Boss were trying to sue them and shut them oh. down for using the name. I did see
1: this. Yeah, it was on. Um, yeah, it was it was on that Joe Lysett's uh, Got Your Back program.
0: Yeah, well, really, really unfunny person. Joe Lysett changed his name to Hugo Boss legally, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think he's unfunny? Do you not like him? Well, he's a comedian, so by his very nature he's not funny. <laughs> okay. In the fa- in the fact that his entire persona revolves around him thinking that he is funny. Fair enough. That's And I don't think there's I don't think there's anything less funny than people who are funny for a living.
1: Uh I mean, I I quite like a lot of co- comedians that I've seen live. Well, but... you know,
0: that's why we're different people.
1: Fucking right. Thank God. Uh, this is that 8-bit shit show, Tom, uh, as you know. So, what are we looking at this week? We're looking at Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants.
0: Uh, a classic, a classic, well-known and well-loved entry to the 8-bit and 16-bit catalogue of platformers.
1: Yeah. Not- uh, so, this has been requested by uh, by Has on Discord, so uh, as a subscriber to Happy Hour Gaming has is able to request games for us to play and uh, this is the one that he's chosen. So,
0: This beer I've got on the back, it says to enjoy stand this bad boy in the fridge for one to two hours before pouring or drink from the bottle like a boss. <laughs> okay. I've pussied it and I have poured it into a glass.
1: Have you had it in the fridge for two hours? It's
0: been in the fridge all afternoon, whilst oh. I've been playing Death Stranding instead of going to work
1: nice nice uh okay so tom this game this week i'm going to give us some background on the the simpsons because i think people yeah
0: because i think a lot of people will be unfamiliar with the simpsons that's what
1: i think yes i think people need to know a little bit about
0: it first to give them some context about that asian family
1: (laughs) yeah that's the one The, the the simpsons um they first appeared on the Tracy Ullman show in 1987 um, and then the first episode of the uh, the actual series came to television on Fox in 1989 um it's actually now the longest running scripted primetime TV series on TV is what I found out so it's- I
0: like all the the like bits in that that narrow down the the entrance to that competition it's the longest running scripted <laughs> primetime Show on TV about yellow cartoon people in Springfield.
1: And the award goes to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as we all know, Simpsons... I am
0: the longest-running podcast host in my house. It's literally that, that, that statement.
1: Well done, mate. Um, as we all know, it's uh, The Simpsons is set in Springfield, um, and it focuses on the dysfunctional Simpson family. Um, now, this series has spawned some great characters over the years. Um, and I think it rightly has its place as one of the the best TV shows of all time. Um, it's got that iconic uh, theme music, which we'll come on to later when we talk about the game. Uh, fun fact on that, it took the composer Danny Elfman three days to compose that.
0: See, I did not know that Danny Elfman composed this. Danny Elfman is a tremendously acceptable pro- composer.
1: Do you know he's called it the most popular piece of music in his career as well?
0: Which See, I, I personally... My favourite Danny Elfman piece is the Edward Scissorhands theme, but I'm sure he's contributed way more than I know, and there's probably a whole load of earworm pieces in my brain that I'm not aware are Danny Elfman pieces yeah. of music.
1: Yeah, he's uh, an excellent composer.
0: Um, cool. I, I don't really like The Simpsons anymore. Not anymore, no. I used to I, love I it. think since since the early 2000s, it's kind of just... I don't know, maybe I grew out of it, and but I've never grown out of South Park, and that's my... It's not really a comparative show, but it's been run also has been running a very, very long time now yeah and is is a satirical kind of comedy animated series.
1: The episodes got progressively more over the top, didn't they with the Simpsons so it used to be this family who was like just struggling to to cope with normal life, but now it's just these insane over the top episodes every week and it's like I think it almost has run its course. I haven't watched it for years and years and years. Yeah, I think it does have a lifespan, but still very popular. Um so this game was uh one of the first Simpson games uh, Simpsons games ever ever made. Um
0: it was the first, I believe. The first. There we go. Um definitely the first on console. We'll get into some development history shortly.
1: Yeah, I'm going to talk about the story first, um just to give you the backdrop to what's actually going on in this game. So, Bart Simpson versus the space mutants, as you may imagine, this focuses on an invasion by the space mutants. They have some dastardly plans to take control of the world, and Bart Simpson is the only one who knows of their secret plans. He's acquired some x-ray specs and uh they allow him to identify the space mutants when they take their human form when they invade the earth. So, He's the only one that can save the world. Um, now, they are looking to build their ultimate weapon by using items they find on the Earth in order to take over the planet. So, that's the sort of the backdrop to it. Um, let's go into the uh, the development. On what what did you find out about this?
0: Well, I so the more I had a little dig around on who developed this, and I was quite interested to see the the um, the people that were involved. Once you get down to a, the, you know the level of who designed what and who did that. There's real big names in here for what's really quite a, a not significant game, but this was developed. Um, it was developed by Imagineering and Arc Developments. So Imagineering picked it up for the NES, the Atari ST Game Gear Master System, um, and then Arc Developments did basically did the the 16 bit and up versions, the the Comm- Commodore 64, the ZX Spectrum, the Mega Drive. It was also released on Amiga and Amstrad CPC. They obviously worked together on this, though, because the NES game and the Mega Drive game were essentially the same. Yeah, um, yeah, it was released across all platforms, ninety-one and ninety-two, and published by Acclaim on consoles and Ocean Software on computer versions. So your Amigas and Amstrad. But what was interesting about this ad? The game director and principal designer is a man called Gary Kitchen, who is obviously <laughs> famous for inventing the Kitchen.
1: <laughs> Gary Kitchen. <laughs> we did. Well, where are we going to cook all our stuff? I wish someone would just you know invent something. Invent a,
0: a room <laughs> specifically for cooking. What it's like the, it's, it's like when John Soup invented the soup in 1723 because he wanted to drink a chicken.
1: <laughs> Is that a fact, or am I? I'm going to take that as a fact. I'm going to tell that
0: def, definitely a fact. Um. So Gary Kitchen is a designer and programmer who started out developing electric toys in New Jersey. His big kind of breakthrough was porting Donkey Kong to the Atari 2600, which sold a million copies. And then he went on to develop some other kind of big 2600 games, Keystone Capers and Pressure Cooker. But his other big contribution, what makes him kind of stand out amongst his time, was he created something called Gary Kitchen's Game Maker for and on behalf of Activision in 1985, and that's an integrated development platform, which is a posh way of saying a piece of consumer software for making games. So dreams, essentially. Cool. Um, for the Commodore sixty four, Apple two, and IBM PCs, and it was you know an all in one game designer but aimed at the consumer, not at the developer. So yeah, yeah. it's some real kind of influential people on this. He went on to produce or to work on the follow up game Bart versus the World, but. Stepped down for design duties and to do programming, was his brother Dan Kitchen would work on design. So all the, the world famous Kitchen designers. Um they also had another brother, Steve Kitchen, who worked on uh game design in the early 80s. So he's currently Gary's currently CEO of Skyworks Technologies and has earned a lifetime achievement award in video games. So, you know, when we we look at this game, it's sometimes easy to shit on these older games and be like, oh, this is rubbish. But they are stepping stones and progression blocks and building blocks for the careers of people who have set trends for the games that we all love today. So yeah. really kind of important people on this. The version that I played at, which was the Mega Drive version, yeah. was published by a division of Acclaim called Flying Edge, which was founded in 92, just to publish on Sega, dissolved in 94. Acclaim itself, obviously found in 87 and defunct in 2004 through bankruptcy. Now, on our quick playthrough, we did, or quick level one attack <laughs> we did on a, the first episode of Unplugged, we were kind of tossed around, oh, what, what happened to Acclaim? And it all came flooding back when I read up on this. I remember the downfall of Acclaim yeah. around 15 years ago because they were going off the chain wild with like promotional gaffes and weird stuff that got them in a lot of hot water. So they, they actually offered six grand. To parents, to name their kid Turok when Turok Evolution came oh out, God. which I totally would have done.
1: Oh, you would um, have, yeah.
0: And another one that was that was weird was offering to reimburse any UK driver any speeding fines during the launch of Burnout 2.
1: Wow, <laughs> and they they,
0: they they actually had to backpedal on that one. Yeah, so cool. a claim a claim actually went like wild, and um, the the collapse was completely nuts.
1: Who the fuck look- was
0: in charge of it at that point? <laughs> <laughs> so just a little bit more context imagineering who developed the NES versions uh they exist between 1986 and 1992 and they were folded into Absolute Entertainment which was founded by Gary Kitchen and they became their in-house developer because Absolute Entertainment the development publishing research all sorts of stuff they were the in-house game developer but absolute actually went bankrupt in 95 which led Gary into moving to Skyworks which is still around today. Imagineering were more of a porthouse and produced uh, developed third party games for third party developers despite being, sorry, Imagineering were absolutes in-house. Okay, They worked on other Simpsons games uh, including Bart vs. the World which is the follow up, Bart Simpson's Escape from Camp Deadly which is on Game Boy, Bart vs. the Juggernauts on Game Boy and Bartman vs. Radioactive Man. Now, the other guys, ARC Developments, who looked at the 16-bit versions, the Commodore 64 version, Genesis, and uh, the ZX Spectrum, were a British studio. So, you know, the other guys being Americans, we had a British studio involved. They were best known for Johnny Bazooka Tone <laughs> okay. on the Saturn and PlayStation, which I had not heard of.
1: No, I do not recognize that name.
0: They also developed Crackdown for the ZX Spectrum, The Adams Family, and Liverpool, the computer game. Oh my god! Which actually, <laughs> looking into it, turns out to be a football game, uh, not okay. a game about, not a game about the great city of Liverpool, and presumably with the Wirral DLC.
1: I love your hubcaps, mate.
0: <laughs> Hoylake, Hoy Lake expansion pack.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, and they only actually came. They they only worked on one more Simpsons game, and that was Bart versus the World. The immediate follow-up to this, the year after, So that is. Surmises the background of this game. Lots of factoids there. Yeah,
1: that's a whole a lot of information you've just uh, given us there. Tom. that, right well, I thought. I
0: thought. I thought it was because you know this this game was it had a very well known IP tied to it. So what's quite interesting is this. This could quite easily disappear into. Well, there's not much interesting to say here. But when you really look at the people that were involved and the, whereas this game itself may have not had a huge impact on the industry it certainly was like i said a stepping stone for some really serious players in in game design back in the day
1: yeah i guess we all start out somewhere don't we with you know um you know creativity and things that we're putting together like we have with this podcast um and yeah it seems like it's got a, a really strong pedigree a so, stepping
0: stone to greatness
1: hopefully mate yeah <laughs> uh so with that in mind, with that background in mind, let's look at the actual game then. so I think, looking at the design and graphics of this game, I think it looks pretty nice. You can instantly recognize that this is a Simpsons game, it's the Simpsons world um, but I think to be honest, it would have been quite hard to fuck that up uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it's a really easy graphical style, isn't it
1: yeah yeah, um, so I think they've they've done a good job with it, but as i said it's it's not particularly. Uh, anything groundbreaking um that being said the space mutants now i want to touch on what the space mutants are um i think that was them
0: (laughs) Uh, that was me whacking my microphone was i went to pick a bit of skin off my lip lovely (laughs) it's not a video not a video podcast can't you (laughs) well
1: no but no anyway oh god so let's talk about the space mutants so um now the Space Mutants appear in The Simpsons um, in their own sort of uh, movies that appear within the Simpsons universe. So not to be confused with Kang and Kodos, the sort of infamous green aliens that are featured in... Yeah, they're,
0: they're like the, the perpetual mutant cast members of The Simpsons, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. They're, they were inspired by the Space Mutants, but the Space Mutants themselves are like a, a separate entity that are sort of on-screen uh not well, they're portrayed on screen within The Simpsons, so they've got their own movie series. So they are green-coloured with three eyes and tentacle-like arms. They have two fingers and occasionally have one thumb on each hand, apparently. Uh, a small portion of the head sticks out like a ponytail, don't have two teeth, and showing that like a duck, they may not chew their food but swallow it whole.
0: Jesus, man. So, anyone who listens to this is going to know a detailed history of Gary Kitchen and the exact form of the space mutants.
1: Well, I want people to know what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> as, well, as
0: well as their dietary habits.
1: <laughs> well, one of their uh, known traits is that they'll disguise themselves as other humans, as humans, sorry, uh, to attack other humans. Um, and we see that as a prominent feature in this game. So, the reason I wanted to tell you what they look like is because they do not look like that in this game. They've made a game about the Space Mutants and then designed them to look completely different to, to how they're supposed to look. So, you know, on the loading screen um, between yes. levels.
0: The one where the Space Mutants tell a little bit of, oh, we need to get some pink stuff or we need to get some hats. Exactly that, yeah. Well, and they operate their little conveyor belt. and
1: Yeah, well, they're purple and look nothing like the characters I've just described. So I don't know what happened there.
0: But uh, yeah,
1: I just thought it was interesting. like
0: the, uh, Like the box art for Mega Man.
1: yeah i mean that's a lot worse (laughs) um (laughs) we've talked about that before uh the levels in terms of um the design they're they're okay they've got some basic platforming going on on there it looks like spring Hold on, i
0: I want to talk about level one versus the other levels okay because levels what how many levels are there like six or so it's five yeah five and so i didn't finish the game because it got shit and it's it's difficult but Levels two to five are basic platforms with collectible items, and the idea is Bart's collecting the items to stop the space mutants getting them. Level one is quite clever, yeah, because fell. you're not trying to collect items; you're trying to stop them being purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every item is a puzzle.
1: Exactly. Yeah, so it has some some things you need to work out on level one, but the yeah. So we will we
0: get good. into that in more detail, but I just it undersells it a bit. To say it's a base platform, but nothing else lives up to that the promise of level one.
1: No, exactly. It seems like they ran out of ideas after that level. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah. Um, each level has some sort of generic, repetitive tune, which isn't particularly annoying at first, but isn't memorable either. But because these levels are all quite long, after a while, they do great a little bit. Um, and I don't know why the main theme on the Genesis version is not licensed in this game, whereas it does feature on the NES. Yeah.
0: No, because when you were saying to me about... I, I was checking out the notes you made, and you're like, "Oh, the main theme is the." In fact, that was the very first note I went in, and you had the under the our little gameplay and design section. You've just written the theme is the Simpsons, and I was like, well, "This is going to be a quick episode." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I, I I do see you have fleshed it out some.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have A little bit, yeah. I've done a little bit more. Well, this is a game about the Simpsons. Cheers. Good night. Um...
0: Uh, but yeah, I I played it on the the Mega Drive and. For oh it's not, so the only little fact we've got is in fact wrong,
1: well, yeah, so I changed that round when I realized I was playing the n e s version, not the not the genesis version,
0: um so when you bought the cartridge legally and put it into the console that you own, how did you mistake the n e s for a mega drive?
1: I just thought well, it was dark, it was really dark in the bedroom, so um, yeah, I just find it really weird that they haven't licensed that main Simpsons theme across all ports because they were developed together, so why wouldn't they?
0: do that and also all the console ports are all published by a claim
1: yeah so it's not as if so, they have any licensing issues surely
0: see now i don't understand in detail enough how licensing works but i would have thought that the publisher who is reselling is the one who should acquire the licenses for the game title why you know, do you know what i mean it's not yeah, it yeah, wouldn't be yeah. the individual developers because it's being published as the same game so it is a strange anomaly
1: it is. One other thing I want to say on the sound is that the noise that it makes when you jump is horrible um, and repetitive. And because you spend most of the game jumping, it got annoying quite quickly. Did you find that? Or did you not play enough of it?
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I played plenty of it. I, I played a few hours, but it just it never really got to me.
1: Fair enough. Just me then. Gameplay.
0: Um... Like, I, like, I don't remember it standing out. I'm sure now, if I play it again, I'll be like, thanks, Ad, because now it really annoys me. <laughs> Good.
1: Uh but versus Space
0: minions, piece of so, shit.
1: <laughs> I just I like to bring these things to your attention to uh you know make your life better. Um so the game is a 2D side scrolling platformer and has a single player mode only. Um now this game is notorious for being really difficult. Um and not particularly in a good challenging
0: No, not all in a good way, in a, a shit way.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating and overly convoluted in a lot of ways. Um now, it has one of our community members who did request us to play this game. Uh, I remember him saying that he doesn't think he ever got past the first level when he first played this as a kid.
0: And Yeah, he, he recently has um, achieved that milestone, I believe, oh, like 25 years later or whatever. <laughs> nice.
1: I mean, I can understand why he didn't do it as a kid, because this game has some of the jankiest controls you'll, you'll come across. I mean, they're not as bad as Bill and Ted
0: but no but it plays shit it's shit to play like it's not fun to play no exactly i mean i'll just talk you
1: through the the controller layout on this um so you've got various buttons assigned to different types of jump which makes it really annoyingly hard to execute so you've got the b button to jump and then to jump high you push it down more
0: which is uh, kind of standard but
1: and then to do a long jump you press a and b together but it's it just doesn't seem to click properly i just I yeah. It's really janky. And then the platforming elements, because of that, become really, really annoying. Like the jumps don't seem to to land properly. It's, yeah, I, I just find it very frustrating as a, as a platformer because of the control layout. Um Now, in this game, you, as you said, on the first level, you pick up spray paint because your goal is to go in spray paint a load of items that the uh, Space Mutants are after. So anything that's purple. Yeah, well
0: they they start off and they're like, we love purple. <laughs> that's no kind reason. of like their thing, and we're going to collect purple items and we're going to make make some evil shit with those purple items.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So you've got to go and either spray over them or cover them up or make them disappear.
0: See, I liked this when I found out what we had to do. So you like, ah, oh, you spray a fire hydrant and that goes red, and then you like there's some other purple items you walk along a washing line and drop sheets over them to cover them up Mm -hmm. or you 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 use a wrench to loosen a fire hydrant to shoot water at something to wash purple paint off it yeah you call mo and piss him off and then he chases you and you spray his apron like there's a lot of stuff some of it you would be a bastard to figure out but that's okay in the day of the internet walkthrough
1: yeah, I think that's fine now. I think, I mean, the manual's pretty good. It does give you a good insight into what's going on. Um, and I think there are, talking about the, the calls, the prank calls to Mo and stuff, there's some good nods to the TV show, which I think for fans of the show would have been really sort of uh, satisfying. Um, did
0: you get, what What did you get on your prank call to Mo? Because I uh, did, uh, I got a few, I got a, uh, I'm trying to think, They was definitely like a... I can't remember.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was something...
0: I'm, I'm a, like... I'm an idiot or something, but it was like (laughs)
1: they're always pretty good, weren't they, on the show. So I think um having that in there as a fan is pretty nice. Um so in terms of um your objectives on this, so yeah, you've got to either collect, destroy, remove, um, or whatever, a certain number of items that the space mutants are after to stop their plans. Um there are more items on each level than you need. So basically it's not like you have to find every single item on the level, it's just you have to find twenty of something. And you've got a counter on your sort of HUD, on the display, uh, on on the HUD display, um, that tells you how many you've got. Um, And once you've collected it, you can then go and fight the boss. But before you do that, you have to basically use your X-ray specs to jump on the the people that you've aliens' heads to get your family. Well, I just
0: I just jumped on everyone, and some of them died, and some didn't. What was weird for me is that the first level was essentially. Two areas split up by quite a gap, um, with like a, a difficult skateboarding section in between. Mm. But you didn't have to like finish one area to go to the next, so you'd have to go back to the first area if you didn't get enough items. And yeah, yeah, and that that section in the middle was fucking hard. Right?
1: Skateboarding, yeah, it was quite tough. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I watched a couple of walkthroughs on it, so I was like, um, <laughs> I was able to get through it okay. But yeah when I first picked this up, it was quite hard. Um, so level one is Streets of Springfield. And as you said, this is probably the best level in the game. Well, it is the best level in the game. Um,
0: like you said about the references, okay, with Krusty being in there and Mo and everything, all the references and jokes are really from the heyday of the Simpsons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And
0: yeah. for me, for me enjoying the Simpsons as a kid, this was the, it, it brought back the nostalgia of the Simpsons that I loved to not, the Simpsons, that, and I'm not saying the Simpsons has gone shit, but it's just not for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And this did throw me back into. Well, there was a big nostalgia hit, Even though I never actually played this game as a kid, I was like, oh, this is, yeah, this is my jam. Yeah. But it plays like shit, but I loved all the. I like being in Springfield, like That's... the overall townscape.
1: Yeah, as I said, I think they did a fantastic job of realizing that Simpsons universe. It's just a shame that it does play like shit. Uh, so this level is. You see lots of things like most Tavern and all that sort of stuff as you walk through the streets of Springfield. And once you've collected, once you've got enough uh, Space Mutants um, sorted, you, you collect sort of the, uh, they drop letters for the name of the Simpsons character that's going to help you at the end of the level.
0: Is that what they do? I didn't fucking know what was going on. I was like, oh, red coin.
1: Well, I had to watch a walkthrough to understand what the fuck was going on there. Um, so on this level, Maggie is sort of, there's an icon for Maggie in, the, in your, your display. Um, and once you've completed her name, you can then go to the end of the level.
0: Ah, you see, this is no, no. You're slightly wrong here. Am I? You can go to the end of the level once you've done the purple items, but if you don't complete Maggie's name, she won't help you.
1: Uh so you can still do the boss. Oh, I thought you had to do it. No,
0: but no, if you if you collect the red tokens, which I didn't notice with the spelling the name, I just. You, you collect enough of them then a simpsons character will assist you with the boss at the end of the level i see okay well mm. i thought
1: you had to collect them so i was collecting them
0: um wait so but- i think it's a good idea too because it's not easy without mm.
1: so maggie drops these balloons down and helps you fight on this first level nelson nelson months so he's the first boss um and i think that was a good inclusion because you know fairly big nemesis to bart across the uh simpsons
0: yeah but it makes sense doesn't it because he's just the bully at school so. Mm-hmm. so
1: yeah
0: man he's yeah i love nelson he's my favorite simpsons character because <laughs> he asshole. exists pu- he, he exists purely just to rub salt into the wound and be annoying and it's it's pretty much how i've modeled my life
1: <laughs> yeah it is yeah i mean you know that 100 <laughs> percent, i know that the amount of stuff he did to me in school man <laughs>
0: you were shitting donuts for a week once i remember <laughs>
1: for fuck's sake uh this show just gets better right um so i'm gonna briefly cover the next four levels um and tell you what they were about but what i will say before i do that is that they were just almost tacked on they didn't feel like the first level at all as you said
0: no like the first level was really like proof proof concept and if there's a good game in here somewhere. And there's some great ideas because that idea of every collectible not really being a collectible
1: because
0: mm. you weren't collecting any items. You were just had to get rid of the purple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd be free, like, that, that was it. So whether, but, but the fact it wasn't all spray paint and it was like you spray paint some then you, you know, cherry bombing to scare a purple bird off or
1: yeah, fire a rocket or something. Yeah.
0: Like that was cool. But the, if the gameplay like had just been better because you've got all these static enemies that have these repeat up and down patterns, left and right patterns and you just kind of stop in front of them, watch the pattern go, right, I'll step forward down. So it's like Prince of Persia or some shit. Mm. Like, whereas if they'd made it a bit more, I don't know, Mario-esque almost. A bit more fluid. Yeah, so it was a platformer and like, why not make it so you could jump on the enemies' heads and kill them? Because you can't kill any of the fucking enemies in this I know. game.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You just have to avoid them. So as you, because there's so much backtracking, because you're going by items and then backtrack. And it's not backtracking like in a Metroid sense where you've unlocked an area and then you backtrack to a new area. Mm. You're backtracking because at the start, I need to spray paint that, but I don't have spray paint. So I need to go and get this item and come back here. But these enemies just stay there and you can't deal with them. So that annoyance of getting past them once, it would be more fun in, in a way if when you returned, you had an item to dispatch the enemies.
1: Yeah, that would have been much better. I mean, imagine like, if this game played like Aladdin does on the on the Mega Drive. It
0: would be banging.
1: It would. It would definitely achieve that rating. Um, so the levels then. Uh, level two, the boss here is the Babysitter Bandit. Did you recognise that That's all? You the boss her? here is a what? The Babysitter Bandit. Do you remember her?
0: No, so, so my playthrough was concise <laughs> i got as far as approximately 10 minutes into level two okay. and then i went all right that's enough <laughs> um but I, I i then i watched youtube and was like okay but i don't think i was paying that much attention to recognize the babysitter bandit i recognize the bosses on level three and that's it
1: Yeah, the other two, well, I'll talk about them in a sec. But the Babysitter Bandit level, uh, you're at the Springfield Shopping Mall. And for some reason, the aliens, uh, the Space Mutants, sorry, now need hats. So you have to collect a series of hats that are dotted throughout the level, either on people's heads, obviously, or just littered around the the level. So it's not as fun and, uh, yeah, it's not as fun. That's it.
0: It just becomes a -a collect-a-thon now, doesn't it? There's no Mm -hmm. cleverness to anything. Yeah. Level Level design again, though, it looks cool. Oh, it looks fine, yeah. I mean, it looks- I, think, I think the, I think the, the disappointment is uh, that Springfield Town is so recognisable. Yeah. Being out in the streets, they can put so many references in. Where once you get into the mall, how many times, how well do you recognise that as mm. Springfield Mall? I mean, what's recognisable in Simpsons? You've got the, uh, the Simpsons family house, yeah. you've got the Springfield streets, you've got the elementary school, you've got the nuclear power station, Burns' offices. Mm-hmm. offices there's, there's a lot of recognizable places i just didn't the, for me the mall isn't really no they don't often it's... go there um well it's just generic isn't it it's
1: yeah exactly um so it's it does just look like a generic mall um and it's yeah it, it does get old quite quickly um level three was crusty amusement park now this is a little bit better than level two um and on this you've got well, a just cross-
0: to the inclusion of crusty because Krusty's rad.
1: Well, yeah, definitely. And it's a great character. Um, Always loved Krusty in the series.
0: Child killer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, he's a bit of a shady dude, isn't he? Old Krusty. Um, He. uh, Sorry, in this level, you can also do some sort of mini games to um, obtain lives. So, you know, like at the fair, you've got all these things like throw a dart at the balloon or whatever. Then there's stuff like that. See, that's cool.
0: That's, That's the kind of thing that. Just imagine if it was just full of that, and that the idea was each level wasn't just out to kill you, but you spent time in each level.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, they were, like, like it was more because the first level—it's not open world, but it's not a linear level. No. And if yeah. they made all of that, it's like these worlds you could explore to achieve multiple objectives, figure different things out to get items. And it wasn't just trying to fucking kill you and restart the game the whole time. Because mm. actually, I don't know at what point game designers realized it wasn't fun to just have to die and do it all over again, constantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I'm saying, like, you know, post 2005, people started to realize that. Mm. Yeah,
1: it took a long time. But um, there
0: was a merit, in, and obviously it was done originally for the arcade, for pay-per-go, and for... because games were shorter, but this isn't particularly a short game by any, sh- like... Okay, it is on today's standards, but if you watch people running through it, really competent players, it's an hour.
1: Yeah, and that's, you well, know, the levels are long, aren't they? Consider but if it. you were
0: learning how to do it, it'd be five or six hours. Yeah, exactly. Well, Shovel Knight was five or six hours, mm-hmm. and if that had fucking restarted me every time I, di- every time I died three times, I would... Pff- you wouldn't, wouldn't
1: bother, would you? yeah um something to say as well on each level there is a time limit um i don't really know why they bothered um and there's also a, a score counter as well um now if you do it quicker you get a better score because your timer sort of fills up your score meter whatever time We spoke there. about
0: this with Mega Man didn't we though about the uh, hang the arcade hang ups
1: yeah of scores yeah.
0: and time limits so no time limit on mega man but like mario why is there a time limit on mario have you ever really run out of time on a fucking mario level <laughs> no exactly um because because the game is designed to run through so fast that you either run out of lives before you run out of time yeah and the same on this um
1: the end boss on this is sideshow bob which i think is really cool another brilliant character from the universe um i think uh for for this level you have to sort of jump on his feet whilst lisa helps you out by is it lisa yeah it is lisa throws throws uh, projectiles at him um yeah, great character and uh, I think a, a good boss to include in the game for that nostalgia as well.
0: Yeah, Sideshow Bob's really the, he's the recurring psychopath character, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I, I like Sideshow Bob.
1: Uh, an arch nemesis of Bart as well, as much as Nelson is.
0: Um, level four is
1: the Springfield Museum of Natural History. Now, I don't really remember this from the show.
0: Um, I just I, I feel that they could have picked better places.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: it's obvious, just jumping ahead, level five is the power plant. It's obvious that that was coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, what what else could we have done, I guess? Just, how, like, stick the first level in Bart's house. That would have been cool.
1: Yeah, going up and down stairs, different rooms. It could have been, you know,
0: yeah. With the treehouse in the garden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the treehouse features, I would bet, on the show, at least in the early days, more than the mall does.
1: It definitely does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah i don't really know why they chose the springfield museum of natural history but um in this one the the boss at the end uh is some unrecognizable professor it's not professor frink as far as i can make out you know the the sort of nutty yeah yeah nutty guy who's sort of always inventing crap stuff um so i'm not really sure what they were playing out there with the with the boss on this one um this one you have to go and collect exit signs really weirdly um so you just have to sort of jump into those collect them wherever you can you,
0: you do wonder like when people were putting the designs and ideas together for these like at what point they just ran out of time Or like uh, and they look behind and go fucking exit signs <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes Dave Coffee cups. Want-
1: <laughs> balloons <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah, level four is is not much to shout about. Uh, Homer helps you out on that one as the the uh, end boss. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not great. Level five, as you said, then we come on to the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant where Homer works.
0: Um, and the manual says here that they're collecting nuclear power rods. Now, I hazard a guess as a real name for these.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: I would have thought. Are, these, are they, I always thought that. Their uranium rods
1: plutonium or uranium yeah something like that yeah yeah so don't know why they've just decided not to bother with that but uh this level right um it's really weird you're sort of you're going through the power plant there's all these sort of hazardous material barrels everywhere um and a load of space mutants jumping up and down on them uh and your only goal seems to be to uh find codes for each door to to get higher up in the power plant um, and you do that by speaking to your family members, and they give you. Yeah, see, a
0: it's just weird, isn't it, how they just add these like half-assed ideas later on, and none of them really match up to the first level.
1: No, I don't know why you're doing that. So your family's in there giving you codes for each door, and then you have to find the key card as well and get up through the level. And then at the end, you find all the codes, and you end up going into a room with all your family and finding a
0: load of coins, and that's
1: the end of the game.
0: And you can't spend the coins on anything.
1: No, there's there's no point to it. And then at the very end, the Space Mutants just say, oh, you beat us. Oh, well done. They make Bart into uh, a statue on Mount Rushmore and then fuck off. <laughs> there's no boss battle with the Space Mutants that you've been trying to defeat this whole game.
0: I like, though, I like the subversive no final boss in a game. I, I always like that. Yeah, I love it when a game fucking ramps up and then there's just no boss. <laughs> it always makes me laugh. I'm like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> I just thought it was a really weird ending. You don't ever fight any of the space mutants.
1: I mean, you fight like they're little minions, but yeah. Um, so those are levels and I think we've, we've covered it. Like the, the first level is the best and if they just maybe had a bit more thought and given Time, it a bit more I tech, think,
0: maybe as well.
1: It may have been a factor, yeah.
0: You know, publisher-driven, Acclaim were like big boys back in the day that probably had a very strict, like they wanted it on every single platform and they wanted fucking loads, to, loads of copies to sell, but they weren't going to give any wiggle room. And you can tell that it would have been easier for the developers to just have made a platformer. Yeah. We a yeah. thought they went into the first level, but the developers were probably at odds with Acclaim and Acclaim would have just wanted a cash cow to just churn out. Mm-hmm. And you've got this kind of mix of the two where unfortunately the, programming and the mechanics were never realised into to like a good level of control but there are some really interesting design elements there.
1: Yeah I think so I think the first level definitely displays that this could have been more than, than what it turned out to be I mean it's it's got
0: that, when we spoke about Altered Beast we said some of the same things
1: We did yeah, the ideas are there, it's just the execution because of whatever yeah, This is
0: better than Altered Beast.
1: Oh but infinitely yeah that game is junk but um yeah, so let's talk about the reception, Tom. What, what did you uh, find out?
0: Well, this, was, this has been reviewed, and now it's one of those games that's retro-reviewed by reputable outlets such as ours. <laughs> Actually, no, the, the retro-review I've featured in here is a non-reputable outlet, but we'll get on to that. Uh, it was a commercial success, but largely due into this is the first Simpsons game. So of course it was a fucking success. Yeah. yeah. Simpsons yeah. in nine ninety one. It was like fever pitch for Simpsons. People loved that shit. Yep. Hence they made it. But critics said that the game was too difficult. It was boring and it required patience and skill. Now I kind of don't really agree with the last two comments. But so Luke Estner at Entertainment Weekly said the biggest drawback of the game is its brutally difficult opening section. However, what makes it challenging are clever strategic puzzles rather than thumb bruising acrobatics bar tests reflexes and imagination in a way all too rarely seen in video games. So he's given the praise that we've given of that, you know, the thought was there, but it is a bastard when you start off. It's really hard. That skateboarding yeah. section is bullshit as well because it's just cheap deaths. And yeah, because people don't beat the first level.
1: I can kind of like what they did with that skateboarding section because you know the opening credits on The Simpsons where he's going down the street and zooming yeah. in, in and out of people. You have to do that and it kind of does mirror yeah. that really well. But it's it's not yeah, no, exactly. that, it
0: it does, but it's just too difficult. Yes. And <coughs> make it so that when you take a hit you lose a coin rather yeah. than you lose a life. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? So that then okay, I've just got to spend a bit longer in this level collecting more coins to buy the stuff I need to pass the level. Mm-hmm. More recently, oneup dot com editor Bob Mackey reviewed the NES version and he liked the first level for mix an impressive amount of references from the show with gameplay that has a pinch a pinch of point and click adventure but then said, unfortunately, either due to lack of ideas or lack of time, most likely the latter. The rest of Bart versus the Space Mutants doesn't quite live up to the promise of the first level. The remaining four stages devolve into a frustrating, a generic, exercising in platforming that lacks all little, all the little references that made the beginning of the game somewhat authentic. I've made a side note here that Bob Mackie is a total twat, <laughs> and I'm going to upgrade that to a cunt.
1: Oh, nice. Are you yeah. aware? Are you aware of
0: this, gentleman?
1: Uh, I have a very brief knowledge of him having a spat with Colin Moriarty, is that right? Ah
0: oh, yes, he did have a spat with Colin Moriarty, ex IGN staffer and for founder of the uh Colin's Last Stand and Sacred Symbols podcast. He was recently on um Twitter Yelling at Greg Miller, calling him a bastard. He's been on all the different staff from like different gaming outlets just having absolute rants about what bastards they all are. He's just a really pathetic, slimy human being. Uh, So I didn't really want to give him any airtime. However, I agree with exactly what he said.
1: Yeah, it does kind of sum up our thoughts on this one, doesn't it? Um,
0: Yeah. But Bob Mackey, you're still a twat.
1: You heard it here. Um, So let's give this game a final... 8-bit shit scale rating on behalf of the people's democratic republic of wales Now, tom where are you going to fit this into the 8-bit shit scale
0: it's all right <laughs> yeah i'm being generous with all right because i'm giving it a lot of credit for the creativity of the design of the start of the game and the potential it showed in reality it's a bit shit but those elements made me think you know actually no it's all right and i hope some of these fed into later games i think we need to play bart versus the world at some point and see what they learn
1: yeah that sounds like a good plan to me so
0: um i'm settling bang in the middle of uh, all right
1: yep mid-scale rating i think i'd agree with that and i agree with what you said as well
0: it's a a low all right
1: yeah yeah i mean as you say the design elements do give it some kudos but ultimately this isn't a fun game to play um and yeah that was our review of Bart versus the Space Mutants on That 8-Bit Shit Show. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and um, check us out on... Uh, well, check us out at our website, at happyhourgaming.net, where you can find links to all of our other other stuff, other shows. We've got a lot on at the well, you, moment, haven't we,
0: Tom? Yeah, we have, and you can also get this show a week early at patreon.com slash happyhourgaming if you want to pop over and buy us a pint. Uh, we're going to go straight on to now record our video show 8-Bit Shit Show Unplugged which will be for our next game which we won't spoil here which also comes a week early to patreon.com slash happyhourgaming and then is available for all freeloaders a week later now Ad, we recorded an episode of Unplugged (laughs) last week. have you seen it yet?
1: (laughs) I haven't watched it back, no
0: are you you saying that you don't support us on Patreon so you don't have (laughs) access
1: to it? No I just have chosen not to watch it
0: (laughs) piece of shit freeloader um we we had some serious issues with our audio levels you were very quiet i was very loud a bit like real life so i I did put a note on there saying sorry this sucks but we promised to release it so we will and we're gonna do a show now and try and make that work a bit better for you guys
1: we will make amends and give you some better content we might
0: not i'm not i'm not committing to anything
1: okay we'll try and make amends is that better Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank you, everyone. And uh, we will catch you again for that 8 bit shit show. Cheers, Tom.
0: Cheers, mate. Bye.